Dave always talked about Jim Davis and 9-11. And honestly, I didn't see him that day at school. So <laughs> who knows? There are good movies and there are great movies. But that's not what we watch here because this is shitty cinema. Mr. Anderson. We are three film masochists who love to take on the worst movies we can find, centered around our monthly theme to answer one simple question. Would you watch it again? I'm Jay, and I'm joined by Dave, Ella, and Casey. Hugo Weaving, why do you do this to me? (laughs) (laughs) Every week, one of us has to pick a movie based on that month's theme. What's this month's theme, Casey? Before our break, we wanted to go big blockbuster big but also those cost more to rent on youtube so instead we went block blisters movies that were supposed to be big that had the funding and then just kind of drained into the bottom of your stock last week we watched ishtar starring warren Beatty and dustin hoffman this week dave brought something we went from well morocco to europe what did you bring you know, the, the theme of the month is block blisters, so I pulled up a few different lists, I looked things over, and I saw one that I've seen before that at the time I didn't realize was the largest failure of 2018 with a loss of nearly $175 million after advertising budgets. Wow! Wow. So just look back on your life and say to yourself you weren't this movie so yeah. 2018 wasn't that bad yeah you know i 2018 wasn't my best year but i didn't lose 175 million adapting a young adult fantasy novel so this week we watched <laughs> mortal <laughs> engines from 2018 dave before we get punished with mortal engines you're going to need to give us an elevator pitch where you sell us on this movie in 10 seconds or less here's your setup i told you it was a bad idea to hitch a ride with the country folks and their city, and it looks like we're about to be eaten by another larger city because that's the vibe we're in. You know what? I made a decision and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, I respect you for at least committing and accepting the consequences. So in the 10 seconds before giant grappling hooks pull us in, sell us on this movie. Two teens team up to take down a locomotive mecha London before it can blow up the greater wall of future past China. Five seconds, and that was remarkably concise for a two-hour and eight-minute film. Yeah, that was good. I really never thought locomotive mecha London was going to come out of my mouth, but I have no other way to describe what we saw. You didn't think it would? You know what? Casey, maybe hitching a ride with the cannibalist country folk on their little mecca city, town, suburb thing, whatever, wasn't the best idea. But we're on vacation and you're trying to make the best of a bad situation. They've got toilet sangria. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm getting fucked up. As the city of London is barreling towards us and launching their grappling hooks, you are currently reclining on a sunbed on the top of this little tiny suburb with your toilet sangria. <laughs> Trying to soak up some sunlight. Trying to even out those lines. Yep. But unfortunately, you're still going to have some tan lines because you now have the shadow of giant grappling hooks passing over you as they come towards us. Ugh, whack. Yeah. So you got about 10 seconds before they slam into the hull ahead of you. In the time before that happens, sell us on this movie. 
This cinematic sync trap of repurposed scripts makes the only non-magic side of Final Fantasy III American into a two-hour slinky catching up with itself. Eight seconds. <laughs> okay, I really like the slinky metaphor. Yeah. I think that's a surprisingly accurate meta or description of, of what's happening in Mortal Engines. I want to disagree, yeah. but I don't have a good argument against it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. It felt like a slinky catching up with itself. All right, well, for the last time this season, let's go over the movie that Shitty Cinema watched. All right, so Mortal Engines, in arguably its strongest scene of the entire movie, <laughs> opens with the city of London eating. <laughs> Going to repeat that. The city of London rolling up on with five-story tall tra- tank treads and eating a small English mining town on its own smaller tank treads. All right, hold up, hold up. Just because the movie skips the setup for the shock and awe doesn't mean that we should. Sometime around now-ish, humanity nearly wipes itself off the map using a weapon called Medusa. They call it the 60-minute war, and it even fundamentally changes the geography of the planet. Some thousand-plus years later, some of humanity regrouped constructing traction cities which are the aforementioned tank tread cities well the traction cities just so happen to subsist by feeding on other traction cities yeah they they see what they do is they like encapsulate the other city and rip it apart and then chew it up for resources because that's they they call it municipal darwinism which is just they also (laughs) adapt all the people that they swallow so now you've got even more mouths to feed and you're running out of like you're telling me you're just gonna adopt that you're definitely killing those people but they did not have the balls to just be like no 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 Casey it's cheap labor yet you still have to feed them to keep them alive to do the labor no you don't look at what we do with the poor now we cheap labor and let them starve to death Okay, but you're not also driving around a city-state at the same time. <laughs> like, her point I mean, still stands. the metaphor is since... not subtle. The metaphor is not subtle. Yeah, no, it's not supposed... To... They're driving an entire city around on tank treads. Turn your brain <laughs> off. Fair. The biggest and baddest city in the West is London, who plans on heading over to the static settlements of the East and showing them who the big bad colonizers are. When London eats its first city, all the people that they consume just... Kind of get let go. Just Here's some jobs. Here's a little bit of food for you. I don't know where it came from because you dumped all of yours, but whatever. Good luck. So the main plot of the film revolves around how learning lessons from the past means sticking with the steampunkiest technology. Thaddeus Valentine has spent his life collecting technology from the past in a clandestine effort to rebuild the Medusa weapon that ended civilization. Did Along you say the way, Thaddeus? Clandestine? No, Thaddeus? did you say Daddyus Valentine? I, I should have said Daddyus. It's Hugo did. Weaving. So I should have called him Daddyus. I don't know why I didn't. You, We need to replay the tape. All right, all right. If I did, we'll just leave that. That's the best take. Okay. Al- along the way, he's cut, killed, and fathered an illegitimate child that in no way will be relevant to the story later. Hey, we're doing a hero's journey. Someone has to be the antagonist <laughs> father, damn it. If Star Wars did it, we're doing it. Oh, speaking of Star Wars, that's something we'll talk about later. Speaking of Thaddeus' illegitimate child, a young woman called Hester is looking to get vengeance on him. 
He stole her mother's greatest archaeological find and then killed her mother and then cut Hester's eight-year-old face up into some, you know, bad but still aesthetically pleasing scars. (laughs) Hester finds an unlikely partner in the Englishman Tom after he learns that his hero, Valentine, will kill him the moment Tom is inconvenient. And does. And does. Since she's a tough outlander, Hester warms slowly until her Terminator stalker shows up, threatening to kill her ass. Okay, yeah, fuck. Let's just try and get this B-plot out of the way real quick, because it really doesn't (laughs) factor into the main storyline that much. See, there was this group of people called the Lazarus Brigade that died and had something like their consciousness put into a robot body, but they don't really remember anything before. They don't really talk about it in the movie. Uh, It's a different thing in the books. When Valentine killed Hester's mom and she was thrown into the wasteland as an eight-year-old child, one of the Lazarus robot people rescued and then raised her and saved her life. Now he's trying to kill her because she promised to become a Terminator with him and you gotta die to be reborn, baby. Yeah, right. Everybody wants to be shoved into a robot body without memories or feelings, right? <laughs> I mean, that's what I was drinking like in my 20s, so... Mm. Come on, Dave, yeah, you don't wanna... we all fucking do. We've chased destruction. Either way, if I did get robot limbs, I certainly wouldn't waste my immortality stalking this weird little British girl. So our Terminator stalker pursues Hester to a city in the clouds of anti-traction activists and proceeds to tear it apart. I don't know how the robot got up there. He doesn't have a plane. Oh, no. They no, show- no he, looked no, at yeah. a, he looked at an airship. Oh, okay. We showed him looking at an airship and then just- Yeah, yeah, yeah. He Actually, looked at an airship right after um, Klaus got away. The seemingly immortal creature dies when it learns that Hester loves Tom and releases Hester from her promise to die with its own dying breath. I think that makes it past the Bechdel test? Question mark? I don't, I'm pretty sure Shrike was a dude before he died. Listen, Dave. Uh, Lazarus Brigade um, robot people, robot people counts as Bechdel. So um, <clears throat> with that out of the way, we can return to the main plot of the Big Big Bang Bang. The second half of the movie is a whirlwind into a siege. Valentine kills the mayor, he takes over London, and uses his totally not Death Star beam to start blowing holes in the East's giant, impenetrable wall of not China. (laughs) It's the greater wall of China. (laughs) Mr. Valentine, tear down that wall. (laughs) Hester learns that her mother's parting gift, a third eye pendant, is actually a crash drive that will disable the Medusa weapon. You know, the one that was built from scraps, but will still function with a thousands of year old USB drive. Yeah. 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 So her anti-traction city friend, Anna, and her crew hop into their airships and assault London, trying to stop it from destroying the wall. Anna gives her life so that Hester and Tom can both have their Luke Skywalker moments. After stopping the Medusa weapon, Valentine tells Hester that he's her father. Oh, <gasps> Oh my god. In the yeah, most obviously. telegraphed fucking move ever. And she watches Tom then kill her father. Can't believe she gave up the kill. I know. I know. We'll talk about I'm that. not going to kill you, I'm but right. I'm not going to save you. Let's fuck this Batman <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> Before Valentine dies, he breaks the controls so that London will smash through the remains of the wall. And to stop the city of London, a phrase I'm never going to get tired of saying, Tom completes a trench run through London's mouth. Ah, uh, that sounds disgusting. Never go trench to mouth. Ugh. 
They're exclusively burning like the trash of other cities, so it's got to smell great. Yeah, right? Smells like London. So the surviving Londoners make peace and are welcomed into the static settlements of the East. But at this point, the mad cacophony of action has completely distracted from the point. It would have been really nice if someone would have mentioned the failure of municipal Darwinism. Yeah, there's three more books and we're trying to set up a franchise here, bitch. (laughs) Oh, mortal engines. Okay. I, okay, one of my favorite things about this movie is this new, I don't know if it's a new trend, but I started noticing it around the time that Quentin Tarantino was really getting involved in this trend, which is where you associate yourself with a product to make it look like you're much more involved with it than it actually is, Peter Jackson. You leave PJ alone. Well, you know, Spielberg, Spielberg's another super guilty. Spielberg is the appropriate one. Peter Jackson, most of those, when you look into that, it's contract bullshit that he was desperately trying to get out of. And they just eventually released him back into the wild so long as they could use his name. (laughs) I get it. It's filmed. It's filmed in New Zealand. It has a very distinctive look. The aesthetics of, of Mortal Engines look very good, both in the the filming and the CGI. So I could see how you would look at it and go, ah, yeah, this looks like the guy that made those little furry-feeted friend movies. (laughs) Man, listen. Number one, Hugo Jackson, Peter, or... Hugo Jackson? Peter Jackson and Hugo (laughs) Weaving. Are you making chimeras out of Hugo Weaving and Peter Jackson? I'm making fan service over here in my mind. Listen, go... (laughs) Peter Jackson. Who are you servicing? Hear my cry. Please make a Final Fantasy VI film. You can do it. You can do it, Peter Jackson. Yes. I don't know. This gave me hope. It gave me hope, and I haven't felt that in a long fucking time. I hadn't thought about that at all, and that's a really great idea. I would almost love a Final Fantasy VI film, except for I know that I'd hate it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I want to hate it. Make me (laughs) want to hate. I want to yell about it on the internet. So I I apparently missed that. Was Peter Jackson like a producer on this, or did they plug his name a lot on this? He's a producer on this. Gotcha. It's positioned as though... um, So the the actual director worked with him on all of the Hobbit movies and other big name movies that, that Peter Jackson worked on. So that's why it has that sort of feel, and it looks a lot like it. Um, but, uh, Peter Jackson did not direct it. It was, it was this Christopher something guy, Christian rivers, Christian rivers guy. Yeah. I mean, I, I can definitely see a little bit of his influence and also the books that this was based on heavily cited Lord of the Rings as one of their influences, which I get because it is absolutely a book that is more concerned with telling you about all the cool stuff in its world than it is any of the plots that are going on in them. Okay, but I kind of like that because I'm like, oh, I want to know more about. So uh, when I was watching this, it felt like this movie was made to get people into the books rather than jerk off the people that have read the books into watching the movie. (laughs) And I think they towed that line really well because there were some parts of it that seemed like, oh, there must be a lot of like inside, you know, inside jokes or references because like sometimes it's just like people saying random 
words to each other like mm, wind song and then they never explain that but i'm sure that means something to somebody in who's read the books but i like that they're alluding to cooler shit because then when it starts to get boring or too explodey i think about that thing they brought up and i'm like ooh, i wonder what that means i wonder if it's this I really like how they handled the lore of this world in the movie. They did a, I, I, yes. I, I didn't read the book, so I don't know how accurately they tracked to the plot lines. I read some summaries on the wiki and it seems they did an okay job. Um, but they, they really did kind of introduce you to a very, very different fantasy world in a piecemeal way without just, there was never an info dump and thank God there was no info dumps. Yeah, they, they actually treat the the lore as part of the story, which is a novel strategy, Marvel. And it would behoove <laughs> maybe some industries to take a look at that. I'm not going to mention any names. So I love the way that they do things like bring artifacts from the past and they get really enamored at one point over a toaster, for example, which is a great world-building moment. Or... Uh, they talk about the American deities, which are the minion statues that they have. Oh, my God. I loved it. It felt like <laughs> it kind of felt like a cross between Lord of the Rings and a short story by Neil Gaiman and the referencing the lore without shoving it in your face. The I again, like you said, the American, the old American gods, the minions. Yes. It kind of, you know, felt a little bit in that moment like idiocracy i wish they would have had a croc oh my god oh my god that would have been so great i do enjoy when they take absolutely ridiculous shit now and set it like a thousand years in the future and then have someone speculate about the ridiculous ways and what is or how we'd use it <laughs> so yeah, a lot of cool little like little bits of world building as to like what happened in the past but also the big elephant in the room or the big driving city-state in the room. This is a very weird fantasy world where entire cities get loaded on tank treads, and they do a pretty good job of introducing this very insane concept to us. I, okay, when you mentioned last week that the premise of this was that a city started out eating another city, I had a lot of thoughts. I, I imagined this many ways, trying to figure out how... They were going to visualize a city eating a city. And I'll be honest with you, they blew my imagination away. Yes, I... they did fantastic. And again, it felt like a great Neil Gaiman episode of Doctor Who if he was given an <laughs> unlimited budget. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. So if you've, if you've watched Howl's Moving Castle, it very much has that sort of vibe, except for instead of a moving castle, it's a giant fucking city on these massive tank treads and it grows up and outward and i imagine that they have we didn't get any time really going through the city but i imagine that they have different boroughs and districts and i'm sure there's slums near the engines right because it's it's a model of england and they have yeah, to they introduce some things. classism of like right. oh you're just a foreign born nobody with dead parents oh yeah no i i I, I spent a while on the wiki london is literally a tiered system yeah i'm sure it's like hunger games gotcha yeah um but yeah it's uh, the the cities have kind of a bit of a transformers element to them the cgi looks fantastic it is a really well done this is a insane concept to try and bring to film and they do a really good job of it Uh, as we said it opens with a roughly nine minute long sequence there's a little bit of voiceover explaining the 60-minute war, but not much. 
And then we go right into this chase of the city of London chasing a small English mining town. And honestly, if you watch that and then turn it off at the nine-minute mark when the Mortal Engines title appears, <laughs> you may have the best possible viewing experience. <laughs> it's it's a really unique scene. Honestly, it's one of the one of the most unique things I've seen watching shitty cinema, which is saying something. Yeah, it it looks cool. It introduces you to the world really well, and then they just kind of get into it. And boy, oh boy, do they get into it. Because unfortunately, (laughs) as much as I would have loved to watch a two hour long movie of just giant like robot wars scaled up, just that, that would have been awesome. They didn't make that. They included a storyline in it. I, that's okay. Can I bitch about that for a second? Because one of the things I was really disappointed about is how little the roving cities get used after that. There's one other scene cgi is expensive bro but there's there's a shit i i get that there's also a shit ton but like there's one other scene where hester and tom are on the run and scavengers come after them and they're on their feet and then they go to another city that breaks apart and runs away but that's really about it and i would have loved to have seen a little bit more I mean, the, the the municipal Darwinism is central to the theme. And municipal Darwinism is the idea that you have the stronger cities eating the weaker cities. Right, so, but I assume we're, like, going through a whole bunch of books, not just one book, so they got to skip it. They actually mostly stuck to, the, to just the first book for this one. Oh, my God, that's yeah. so much going on. Yeah. That's is, so much going yeah. on. And there's some really cool shit going on with these traction cities in the later books. There's raft cities that fights. You know the the the, the cyborg guy in this raft one? Raft city, bitch. Yeah. Raft, raft yeah, city, yeah, yeah. Bitch. They, have the, they turn animals into those, too. So there's raft cities that fight cyborg undead whales that shoot missiles at them. That's awful. Yeah. And awesome. Right? What the fuck? Dude, the lore in this world is amazing. Oh, man. It's... I, I liked it enough. I spent like an hour and a half on the fucking wiki just reading about ziggurat shit, cities. Shit, I might and read the books shit. then. No shit. It, and I am an absolute sucker for a fantasy world that really goes weird with it. Like, I have seen yeah. so many movies that did like either Lord of the Rings or Hunger Games and just tweak the nipples a little bit. And I do not yeah. want that. I want you <laughs> no. to get strange. Punch me yeah. in the mouth, knock my teeth out, eat them in front of me. I don't know if it's like this in the books, but one of the things I loved about Mortal Engines, the film, is that they never stop to explain their technology or its limits. And they have everything from like Star Wars pod racing rockets and blimps and ancient weird steampunky technology. And there's just no apologetics for it. No stopping to tell you this is why we have it. They just Figure pull it, it out, out and like, don't. this looks cool. Yeah, absolutely. No, we put an entire city on tank treads. Why are you still thinking about this? Fuck right, you. It's right. awesome. Yeah, and that's why I love that they don't explain the eating for resources at all. Like, the first thing I thought of is, how the, that's not going to work. How the fuck are they going to get resources? And they just show it, like, consuming it and pushing it into stuff. And then they're like, yep, resources. And I'm like, oh, oh, all right, cool, yeah. good. I Who did, cares? I did check up on that just to see if the books had an explanation. And they don't totally yeah. have one. But uh, the reason that the East um, is behind their static settlements and the West is all... Uh, and well, Europe is all um, traction cities is because all of Europe is a muddy wasteland where nothing can grow because they drive cities over it all over the time, all of the time. <laughs> so they have to steal each other's resources, which is objectively correct. Yeah, that you can't grow fields that if you're tracks. driving cities over them. 
Wow, that's so British. Yeah, and it's just, it is insane to have a world where people have have figured out these kind of, like, advanced perpetual engines, but not agriculture. Right, right. But it looks right. really cool, so I'm on board. There is idiocracy in here. Nice. <laughs> Again. Very nice. I think if you think about this world too much, it's going to fall to pieces. But Absolutely. that's not the point. And they, I think that that's why I love their unapologetic coolness factor. Lean I read in and to watch cool. fantasy to shut my brain off <laughs> because I don't want to think too hard. If I do, it's like about morality stuff and things of that nature, not science and math. Which is what Mortal, Mortal Engines tries to comment on. It tries to have a moral and a, a, a heavy-handed political take but i'm not sure that it ever ends up saying anything no because it's it's it has a heavy-handed moral take that it's on that it's doing but then it's also just doing the most bog standard hero's journey story ever so your eyes kind of glaze over and just skip all of the actual morality of it because you know the story beats but also don't make me question my morality when you make hugo weaving so fucking charming and you give him that wig (laughs) I know. He's right? hard to root against. I don't want him to take down the wall. I don't want him to hurt China, not China. But he's got that wig and the beard, and he kind of looks like a alternate Pierce Brosnan. Is a little bit, it? yeah. Yeah. It's weird how sympathetic he comes across, and I, I think it's 98% Hugo Weaving, but um, not necessarily the script, but goddamn – is he sometimes doing bad? And I'm like, yeah, but I mean, like, you know, Hugo. I can fix him. He's clearly the villain of the story, but I also yes. t- kind of got it when he kicked the antagonist out the poop shoot of London. Like, eh, right. He was right. kind of a whiny bitch. Cover your tracks. Um, also, the fact that the mayor of London was like, uh, bad idea, bruv. Let's not shoot the missile. You haven't learned anything. And then he kind of showed his naughty side and he was like, hmm. We're going to have to kill the mayor. By the way, y'all, I just got a brand new gun. I loved all the rich people that treated the shit like a UFC fight every time there is any kind of chase. And they're just standing on the balcony like, yay, we're about to kill a bunch of people. Hurrah. All right. That's actually my beef. I don't think it's fair to call Hugo Weaving the quote unquote bad guy because, I mean, he is. Absolutely. But the movie tries to make it out like- Right. The, well, the movie tries to make it out as though his actions are going to be so appalling and that he has to do this secretly. He has this big clandestine effort to build this nuke. But all of the British citizens, as Casey said, are cheering as they just murder tons of people. They really don't seem like the type of people that give a fuck about him building a goddamn nuke. Right? As long They're as more he gets like, more yeah! resources and keeps their status, everybody seems cool. Right. It does. It at least makes more sense here than it does in like the Hunger Games, where like it, then it's purely for entertainment value. Which okay, right. you can get the like. There's a there's a moral behind that, but yeah, they need food, and there's none right. in their place anymore. So they're gonna go blow shit up and take it. At least that's a slightly more believable motivation for them. That's a fair point, Dave. Okay, I want you to imagine an alternate world in which. Hugo Weaving is your dad. Welcome to growing up with Hugo Weaving. Because how do, how would how do you think that would fucking go? 
I would have died of anxiety the first time he raised his voice at me. Because <laughs> he has too much power in his voice. Too much. Did I say come home at 948? Or did I say home at 930? <laughs> like, no. He's V for Vendetta. He's going to be passing me toilet paper notes through a wall for a year. And I won't even realize I haven't been kidnapped. I'm just downstairs. <laughs> You know, I'd probably go more Agent Smith with it, but same vibe and a hundred percent. Like anytime oh I started getting lippy, he'd just put on a pair of sunglasses and I would poop myself and go take a shower. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cry. I'm sorry. I'll do it right now. I'll do it right now. What did you guys think about his death? Right. So, um, Hester pulls the piece, doesn't pull the trigger, which is violating the core rule. Right. Learn something from Estelle Getty. Pull the Stop. piece. Pull the trigger. Esther's not going to shoot. But then he he escapes in a ship, which gets hit by a missile. He survives that. The ship crashes into the ground, fucking tumbles all around. He survives that, only to get smoshed by London's five-story tire treads. I liked it. Maybe. There was, I, I thought it was appropriate to have him die underneath the treads of London. Having it come to rest directly on top of him, I thought was a nice little bit of flavor too. Like literally Uh, the last action of the mobile city is to crush him. It was poetic. (laughs) Heavy handed, but I like it. I, was it excessive? Absolutely. But like this entire movie was excessive. Why would we turn the dial down from 11 now? This entire movie was excessive. What? Okay. So we mentioned it earlier, the B plot about, um, the Lazarus Brigade, right? This robot resurrected man yeah. coming after That's uh, like a Hester. D plot, but go on. Yeah, sure. Okay. There's a uh, lot going on. It's not the primary plot. I I found that really interesting. I actually was super engaged with that. I thought that was a really interesting bit of backstory. Also neat lore. But I enjoyed him coming after her like a Terminator. Or it also reminded me from Nemesis of Resident Evil. Yeah. I so are they like cybernetic human poodles? Like they live on hate? Uh, uh, in in the movie, okay. I'll I'll talk about the movie and then Dave can Yeah, I'll, give I'll, us some I'll tell story. you my wiki findings. Okay. Yeah, in, in the movie, it's they're they say that they kill a hurt person and then they are resurrected in this robot body and it's explained that um they don't have a heart. Uh, which, you know, is, is meant to be emotions. They are not supposed to have memories, but they spend a lot of time with the one character that we have in here. His name's Shrike. And they actually show him having some memories, having some human-like moments and emotions. And it's ultimately his caring for Hester and that she has love that kills him, I think. I think that's supposed to be his his death, not the physical damage that his body endures, but that he has like a moment he, of like, compassion. He gave up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, he's he's basically invulnerable. In the books, he gets run over by two suburbs and still stands up later. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Him. So. Uh, also, why didn't we yeah. get mobile suburbs, you bastards? Just buzzing around London. Right. Come on. That would have right. been amazing. Right. Yeah. We're kicking Tom out because his lawn is too long. <laughs> oh, no. The HOA <laughs> suburb is coming. Oh, Quick, man. trim the hedges. Yeah. Clean your gutters. If you care, the backstory of those robot things in the books is that before the 60-minute war, 
Um, there was a group that had developed the technology for what they called remembering machines, which are perfect versions of those that remember who they were before they were put in the robot bodies. And they're oh. able to like pass on knowledge. Essentially, they were they use them as like monks. Later, people found that technology and were shit at implementing it and made new ones that became the stalkers that don't remember who they were and are just single minded killing machines. Oh, oh see, oh, that's so, so interesting. <laughs> I want yeah. that movie. I want that movie. I, that is a fucking cool movie, man. There's so many different things you could point a camera at in this world and it would look cool as shit. Okay, and Shrike is voiced by Stephen Lang, who's fucking amazing. He's fantastic. Okay. And really, the, the voice acting in that is amazing. But here's just, we, we had mentioned other movies, and I want to talk about my fantasies, because that's what we do on this podcast. What about a version of this where Shrike is played by Robert Patrick? <laughs> always. you can, I always want Robert Patrick to right? play somebody in any movie that I'm watching. A killing machine? Nine times I mean, out of ten. We've seen him as T-1000, as an old, forgotten, going on. I, I just, I, I would have loved it. I mean, I'm never going to say no to Robert Patrick in any form of robot. That's that's always We acceptable. have that on air, people. We have it on air. <laughs> Robert Patrick, if you're into six foot three dudes with beards, I got your man. I'll stand by that statement. Call me. <laughs> Call me, Robert. I don't have, I, I just remember this and I, there's no good way to bring this up, but I have to share something else I found on the wiki for you guys. Good, good, yeah, so, good. Yeah, so most of the planet was destroyed in the 60 minute war when everybody sh fired nukes at everybody. And that's when North America got glassed. But there were also things called slow bombs. Slow bombs was just an asteroid in space that they could punch at the planet. <laughs> and during the 60 minute war somebody pressed the button on the slow bombs here's the problem asteroids take a while to accelerate so 12 years later they hit the planet <laughs> so that's what fucked the geography up that's where most of the geography did yeah that's what broke North America off from South America and fucked up most of the geography so I love we had a full on apocalypse and then 12 years later, 2.0, baby, electric boogaloo. Dead asshole fucked your day up. That's fucking gross. Again, the lore of this is so fucking interesting, and now I think I want to read the book series. How many I, are I there? might. Four of them. I might. I'm also That's interested in terrible. reading the books. Yeah, I mean, they're young adult novels. I'm sure they're not great reads, but, like, it's interesting, and those are usually pretty quick ones, so. Yeah. I, I also really dug the um, the flight technology in this was a shit ton of fun because they had like A-wings and TIE fighter like uh, little ships. But they also had ships that were Zeppelins and even some of them had both jets and Zeppelin balloons so yeah. they could float around okay. or jet around. I liked the visual of them. I hated all of the plane fights because I couldn't see what the fuck was going on. I didn't care. It was too cut and mishmashed. Sure. That was a hard pass it for was me. A, it was a bit of a shame on the actual flight combat because the, the planes themselves have a very, like, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow vibe to them. Yeah, 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 that's even better. And one of the things that gives you is some very, very distinctive silhouettes. So these could have worked really well in some flight combat scenes, but then they kind of just smogged everything up and you don't get to see much. 
Right. Less TIE Fighter, more 1942. (laughs) That would have done my heart well. I think one of the weird things about Mortal Engines is how much action is in this and how fairly diverse the action is, but how it doesn't really pull off much of the fighting well. It's the other action that I think it does a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all of the action that involves the antagonists of the film, I don't care about. No. Or the, not at all. The protagonist, rather. Like, it's just the big cities fighting each other and the planes fighting each other and Shrike fucking shit up. The CGI spectacles look fantastic, but as soon as they zoom back in on the actual characters, eh, there's a couple chase sequences that are okay. Yes. Yeah, the, the first chase sequence when Tom is chasing Hester through the city that is being consumed and there are building size, you know, multiple story size chainsaw blades going through this and they're running near that way too close but i will i will give it a pass because it's a great way for them to do a chase through a city that's falling apart yeah it looks pretty damn cool. cool yeah yeah i mean that was that's like the kind of action where i'm like this is fun and the cgi is pretty can i go back to shrike real quick it's interesting now dave that you explain the history of shrike and and maybe that's why they do his death scene the way they do, but in the context of the movie, I think that it fucks up. Absolutely. So let me ex- let me explain real quick. One of the 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 interesting parts about the Shrike B plot is that it's not clear whether or not he actually has feelings, but there's a lot of heavy implication that he still has like memories and has some kind of caring. And at the end, when he dies, they spend. 90 seconds on him actually going through a bunch of memories, including what looks like human memories of his child. And it ruins it because the interesting thing about him was the mystery and whether or not it was there, even though they heavily fucking imply it, it would have been better to never have show it. Don't give your audience what they want. Don't give them what they want. Right. He fixes it. He takes in broken things. She was a broken bitch. Right. It could have, he fixed her consistent with him. Just, being a weird robot creature and might not have feelings and leaving that as an open question instead of definitely answering it would have really been better. That was them making a nod to the books and trying to include a little bit more of his storyline into the movie. But I totally agree. Like to use the Terminator analogy, if while Arnold was sinking down into the lava, giving the thumbs up, they'd included a bunch of flashbacks of him like, Hugging Remember you, the little me, boy. You, right, with me. right. It would have been a much weaker <laughs> sequence. Right, right. Just let him die and let us let us fucking wonder. Although Casey, if they include that track under it, I will accept this recut of the Terminator. <laughs> all right, all right. Although I am going to have to request that Arnold records it. Imagine me and you, and you and me. You make a vault to California for me. Like with the eye tore off and he's holding a little baby John Connor and they're skipping through a field of posies. <laughs> I can't see nobody for you. He's just gradually losing more and more of the like flesh parts of him. So yeah. he's more and more robotic throughout <laughs> the sequence. <laughs> Till he's just full Terminator. Spinning him around in circles, but too hard. So it's a la Frankenstein General Hospital right out the window. I have a hot take. 
Okay. So, uh, in this movie, there is a character called Anna Fang, and she has a huge <gasps> bounty on her hand. She's played by Jai Hee, who's uh, a K-pop star, who is fucking by like boy, aside boy, from Hugo boy, Weaving, yoing. she chews through every scene she's in. She brings the best energy in this film that's not Hugo Weaving energy. And in my opinion, she's a better Han Solo than fucking Han Solo himself. Grande PP energy. I mean, I don't think even Harrison Ford would really disagree with you on that one. <laughs> Fair. As the, as the Han Solo type character, she's got her own flight and her crew. She fucking is a badass. And she has one of the few awesome fight scenes, including the best kill of the movie, which is where she has a boot knife come out the back of her heel, and she does a forward kick, has her foot windmill all the way back, and stabs a dude in the head and the brain and kills him. She, well, she has two kills that way, because that's how she kills the Terminator dude, too. She stabs him oh. where his heart should be. That's Proving true. maybe he does have a heart, because oh. that's what killed him. Oh. She pierced his impenetrable heart. You had a heart all along. Yeah, I All oh. I know is that first one, when she fully kicked her leg all the way behind her back, my hamstring hurt. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, she's great. Yeah. She's, for some reason, dressed like a character from The Matrix when everyone else is in steampunk England. <laughs> yes, yes. Because Hugo Weaving. <laughs> she has a double barrel gun that fires roughly 40 shots. It's a quad barrel. It's four. No, no, no. The first time when she shows up to oh, uh, rescue them, right. it's an over-under, <laughs> and it you're fires right. it's just so many shots. So many okay, shots. Okay, but that reminds me of Hugo Weaving's incredible gun that's like that, but it's like an automatic, and he just sprays people up with this little hand cannon, and it's incredible. It's like a little rail gun. It's like an kills automatic the, rail gun. Yeah. He kills the mayor. Dude, he caught the best scene in the film was when he's about to kill the mayor and he's like, listen, you're in this roving city shit. I'm on this nuclear power thing. You're a fucking dinosaur. And the mayor's like, well, if I'm a dinosaur, what does that make you? And Hugo, <laughs> Daddyus Valentine Weaving, looks at him and growls, I'm the meteor. Chills. I got <laughs> chills. He's so fucking cool. And then, of course, he yeah. kills the mayor. Yeah, Obvious. yeah. I tell you what, man. Delivering one-liners like Hugo Weaving, fucking, you're just going, uh-huh. Yep, I'm I'm in. the meteor. I, Sold. Yes. Sold. I wish that was, like, my UFC name. Yeah, but you got to, like, somehow convince them to bring up dinosaurs first. Like, there's a lot of work that's going into this trash talk. <laughs> no, 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 no. Less than you think. I mean, what happens the first time you're like, you're the dinosaur, and they go, I'm younger than you. <laughs> I'll cry in the freezer and then Fuck go you. about my shift. Fuck you. Oh, yeah? Well, my car's paid off. I have a driver's <laughs> license. Fuck you. All right. Eventually, this spectacle has to come to a close. So I'm going to get us down to brass tacks and ask the question we do every week. Casey, we'll kick this off with you. From 2018, not starring Hugo Weaving, but he's the only name any of us are going to remember from it. Mortal <laughs> Engines, would you watch it again? 
Oh, there's so much we didn't get to talk about in this movie because there's so much in this movie. But I really mean that in the best way possible. Like Hugo Weaving, secondhand man woman, Martha Stewart Bengala, who did oh, yeah. all of his fucked up yeah. scientific things and then was like, mm, maybe we better not. We're kind of being a bit extra. But she still went through with everything. Then there's the downsides, like at the end of the movie, when I feel like they ran out of lines for non-main characters where <laughs> Hugo Weaving's daughter, who we didn't really talk about, climbs up the side of the Great Wall with all of her Brits, and her and the, the mayor of now fucked Upsville just kind of like look at each other, and he's like, and waves the weapons down the all pointed at him like, why can't we be friends? <laughs> yeah. Why can't? Yeah. It felt like the Kendall Jenner Pepsi commercial. It was, it was a bit much, but. A little bit, a little bit. From Young the adult shit story. we have watched, like, if I'm thinking, was it Percy Jackson? Or, no, no. What was that vampire, teenage vampire with John C. Riley movie? Oh. That movie Rob. wanted to be this. You know what I mean? Like. This had interest, it had excitement, the special effects when they were on, they were on, and they had so many interesting characters and ideas and themes that, yeah, I would watch it again, but I honestly, it kind of makes me want to go get the books. I'm interested to read the books because this was a really fucking cool premise. Was it perfect? Absolutely not. But I don't think it should have done as poorly as it did. You know what I mean? It wasn't. I have absolutely watched worse than like it and <laughs> liked it. So, yeah, I would watch it again. Jay, how about you? Mortal Engines. Would you watch it again? I agree with you that I'm, I'm kind of curious how it did so bad. Yes, it is a mess. The, the story's a mess. It has so much crammed into it, which is admittedly what I also love about it, Casey. But I, it's a beautiful spectacle. If nothing else, it is aesthetically pleasing. And Blockbuster Month is, or Blockbuster Month, is supposed to be about popcorn flicks, about the kind of movies that you just go and watch. And yeah, Mortal Engines does have a lot that it tries to say, or it wants to say, I should say, but doesn't really try that hard, and it definitely doesn't deliver any sort of critique. It doesn't really deliver the most coherent plot line, but it does deliver a fun popcorn flick. I enjoyed it. I really had a blast. I love steampunk. I thought it pulled it off well. I thought the apocalypse stuff was well. Yeah, it's a bunch of recycled content. I love Fallout. Go fuck yourself. I don't care. I'm in for it. So yeah, yeah, I'm going to watch Mortal Engines again. I liked it. I liked it. I'm what a way to go out. Based on the texts that you sent me while watching it, I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> what well, am I getting into? Dave, for the last time in the fifth season of Shitty Cinema, Mortal Engines, would you watch it again? Man, okay, I got to be honest. I almost forgot to finish this movie for the podcast. <laughs> I, when I was watching this last night, I paused it at the climax of the film when London stops just short. I got up to go to the bathroom, and then I just forgot to finish the movie and had to go back and watch the end of it right before we recorded. But to the movie's credit, there was maybe two minutes of wrapping shit up and then credits rolled. We didn't fuck around for a while at the end here. The movie ended roughly when it should have ended. I, I get why this didn't make money. 
because it is telling a story that in 2018, after the Hunger Games and Divergence and Maze Runner and Percy Jackson, we were just fucking sick of and Marvel had taken over the world and that's what was going for this demographic. But they told such a different version of it and the lore is so fucking cool and they did such a damn good job with the CGI of it that, yeah, I definitely want to watch this again. Not for the story oh! at all. I don't care about any of the characters whatsoever. Um, no. But I definitely Shrike. want to see more cities. I care about Shrike. Yeah. yeah, Shrike's cool. And I want to see more cities eating each other. And Casey, I'm down for the book club if you want to start the books. Let's let's check that Fuck out. Fuck yeah, dude. Fuck I'm yeah. Two. I'm in too. Well, that is it. Our final episode of the fifth season. And we're closing out with a three out of three. Would watch again, gang. I, I'm, I'm honestly shocked. What intarnation. I did not think that was going to happen, especially with this theme in this month. But listeners at home, what do you think? I Have you seen it? Is it worth a rewatch? I definitely encourage you to check it out at least once. Go watch that first nine minutes on YouTube. It's great. What a way to close out this season. We want to thank everybody for listening. We're going to be off for the next month. So there will be no new episodes in August, but we'll be back in September. Remember, remember, podcast in September, Hugo Weaving. But we'll be back in September with a new season and a new theme to get kicked off. In the meantime, the long meantime, follow us on Instagram at Casey.Cinema. Like us on Facebook, sh.ttycinema. Donate to our Patreon if you want to get us uh, out of locked up abroad. You know, who knows what we're going to fucking do on vacation. Or peepshittycinema.com. Check the show notes for those links. And in the meantime, let's turn out the lights. Repress the memories of Hugo Weaving knocking the bottom out of our moms. And I don't know, get a face tattoo if you don't like your scar, girl. You rock it, though. You own it. (laughs) 